Welcome to the Life as a Coder podcast series, brought to you by your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance, LLC. Discussing your life as a medical coder, offering coding tips and advice for coding students and professionals. Join us every Monday. Hello, and welcome to the Life as a Coder podcast series. My name is Jennifer McNamara, and our program is brought to you today from our friends at Ozark Coding Alliance, LLC. And our goal is to bring you timely industry topics in the field of health information management, as well as tips for work-life balance. If you are a first-time listener, we thank you for listening today. And if you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button or follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We have a disclaimer that our podcasts are not to be taken as legal or professional advice. Uh, My podcast series that I host here uh, is based on my 19 years of experience in the coding and billing industry, and my goal is to share with you what I've learned and why I love this industry. Today is Monday, April 19th. Today we're at episode 9 of season 2. We're going to talk about the subject, enter health information management with the right credentials. Many have come to me and asked me so many questions and I get inboxed regularly and we all know that we can't always get back to you when we when we want and we apologize for the delay. So I thought it was a great opportunity to just jump on here and answer everyone's questions all at once in this uh, podcast today. And so I want to kind of slow things down and just we want to have our bullet points, right? What we're going to talk about today. So today we're going to answer these questions. Which organizations fit me best? Do I want to work for a facility or a physician practice? Do I want to invest in a degree program or an express entry into a coding course and then into a certification exam? And will I get a job right away? That, of course, is numero uno, the number one question that many coders or students ask when they go into this field. We're going to slow things down a little bit, though. We want to really just focus on those organizations, right? The organizations that are going to fit you best. Now, there are a number of different certifications that are available uh, to coders. Uh, Many coders will look at a job application and they will see uh, the two main credentials that are asked for, which is the CPC, Certified Professional Coder, and the Certified Coding Specialist, or CCS. Some applications don't tell you which organization offers these credentials. They simply say that they want to have you to have one of these along with some experience that's preferred, right? And so many don't understand that these are from different organizations. So the AAPC, the American Academy of Professional Coders, offers the CPC, and AHIMA, A-H-I-M-A, the American Health Information Management Association, they're the ones that offer and help you sit for the CCS. So you have to know two things. Do I want to work for a facility that's a hospital or a place that actually performs medical billing and coding for the facility side of services. And so that really means when we break down that situation, when we think about when we go to the doctor, right, we go to an office, that is considered professional fee coding. And that is what a certified professional coder will uh, be doing, working for a physician directly, or you'll be working for that side of billing, right? So you're going to be basically billing the insurance company for things that a provider does. Maybe he goes to the hospital and he performs a surgery, but we're only going to bill the insurance company for his professional service for doing the surgery. 
maybe some additional procedures that he performs during that time or his face-to-face -face time that he spends with the patient in the hospital. And of course, those services that are offered in the office or other outpatient department. Now, when it comes to facility coding, the facility themselves, they get to bill for services that they render. So maybe the hospital has supplies, the room and board, um, they get to bill for their facility use uh, for things that the provider is doing in their facility, but they're performing, um, they have to send the insurance company the full list of things that were done and they're based on a different set of guidelines and a different coding book, different coding uh, guidelines and structure. There are so much more that goes into AHIMA's certifications, things for more for billing reimbursement, documentation, uh, that a certified professional coder doesn't really go into. Now, there are really, when I come down to it, the sky is the limit with credentials. And I always tell my future students and those that ask me, you know, there are these two base credentials that are great and you have to have prerequisites to go into some of these credentials. Um, but I like to give you some advice, you know, based on where you want to go. So first of all, the first thing you want to know is which organization do you want to go into? Identify the credentials that they have, what those credentials are. And then decide, do I want to work for a facility or a physician practice? Once you know what is involved with those tasks, what a facility coder or a professional fee coder uh, may have to do every day, that may change your mind on which credential you want to get into. And then ask yourself, do I want to invest in a degree program or an express entry into a coding course? Now, with a CCS credential and most of this, the HEMA, the AHIMAs, uh, credentials. You do have to have several prerequisites, and we're going to go over some of the requirements for them in a minute. Uh, but then you have that option with the, the AAPC, the CPC exam. You don't have to have prerequisites. Now, they do recommend that you have taken a certified um, course through them or another organization like a local hospital or a community college. Uh, they do recommend that. And they recommend, of course, that you have anatomy and physiology in your background. Not knowing about the human body and medical terminology is very difficult to pass uh, the CPC exam without a basic understanding or a good understanding of the human anatomy. It's very crucial. You learn a lot of it in a, in a course that you take, but there's additional courses you can add on that are helpful to really dig in and learn about anatomy. It is absolutely vital for CCS or other AHIMA credentials. It's actually a prerequisite for most of them. So we want to make sure that we, we understand what they require in order to sit for those exams. So for the CCS, let's start with that one. Now, in order to sit for the CCS exam, the Certified Coding Specialist through AHIMA, you have to have at least one of the following. A diploma or degree from a medical coding training program. So there's one item or two years of medical coding experience, which, you know, which qualified me. I already had that when I decided I wanted to apply to sit for it. And then an existing medical coding certification plus one year of medical coding experience. So if you've already attained your CPC, which doesn't have a technically a prerequisite, uh, you can, of course, do that for one year and then go ahead and apply to sit for the CCS exam. That is a route that I offer to those that don't want to go to a two-year degree, don't want to get a degree. Not that getting a degree isn't helpful. And many people go that route, and I applaud you for, for taking the time to educate yourself. For those of you who don't have the ability to 
go to a program like that, can't afford something like that, the more inexpensive route is, of course, to get your CPC first, and then, of course, get that under your belt for at least a year, and then you could go for that program. You have that experience, and so they, they understand you will have learned uh, the basics, and you should be able to take a, a program to learn the CCS uh, credential guidelines to be a certified coding specialist, and then you can sit for the exam. Now, uh, as with the CPC, as many of you know, they do have their membership amounts, right? And we're going to get into a little bit later about some of the financial responsibilities to being a coder, but just to let you know the differences between a HEMA and CPC. Now, CPC, they do have, you have to have that membership cost and it goes up every year. I think this year it's 180. Uh, if you're a student and you take a, a actual certified course through the AAPC through an approved instructor, you can get a student exam price of $100. And for those of you who are going through a HEMA, their basic membership is $79. So don't go into it because of the cost. Go into it because it's the kind of coding you want to do. Regardless of what organization you go to, it is important you know the fees and you know what it costs to start out to get certified. Uh, so you need to know your membership, and that's due every year. Uh, whether it's the initial one and then you pay the, the uh, full price later, know those uh, specific amounts so you can budget that into your in your budget. Now, for those who take the CCS exam, they're going to be tested on health information documentation guidelines. They're going to be tested, of course, on diagnosis and procedure coding, same for CPC. They're going to have to learn, though, the guidelines and reporting requirements for inpatient services, a little bit different than CPC. They don't have to know that. They also have to know the guidelines for outpatient services, which CPC coders do as well. Data and quality management isn't necessarily a component in the CPC, but it is on the CCS. Understand information technology, privacy, confidentiality, legal and ethical issues, and compliance. Now, those final aspects of privacy and compliance, HIPAA, those things are definitely on the CPC. You will get tested on that. But these inpatient data requirements, the MSDRGs, uh, all of those um, risk adjustment things that go into the inpatient coders' uh, everyday life, uh, those are things that they might be covered on your exam, right? And so you're going to have to learn that. And again, with all these credentials, remember, you have to have your ongoing certification requirements. You have to stay certified, and you're going to have to have those CEUs. And in addition to that, you're going to have to complete an annual coding self-assessment every year to stay certified. So it's it can get expensive, you know, when you when you look into that. A lot of coders out there are looking for free CEUs. One thing I will tell you, if you are a, a HEMA certified coder, you can use AAPC CEUs for those. Uh, they do accept them. It just doesn't go back the other way. You can't use a HEMA CEUs for AAPC credentials, but you can use AAPC for, for uh, CCS or for other HEMA credentials. Keep that in mind when you're looking into what credential to go into um, and so you know where to get those CEUs. Not everything's free, and I, I want to just nip that in the bud right now. I want to tell everyone out there, please stop going out there and, and looking for all those free CEUs all the time and getting upset with us educators because we don't offer you free CEUs. I want to, uh, I know not everyone is that way, but I did want to put this out there on my soapbox a little bit as an educator. We get so many requests for free CEUs and we understand times are tough. It's hard. This industry is not free. Um, 
doctors and nurses, we go, they go through the same thing. It's not cheap to do what we do to stay in this industry. It, co- it costs money. So it takes, you know, some of that money that we make every year, we have to put it aside for these things. There are a lot of free education out there. There is a lot of it. So for the most part, like for me as an educator, um, I know I've I, places I can get my edu- my education at low cost or t- at nothing. The AAPC offers their healthcare business monthly magazine. That's 12 free a year. You don't have to pay for because it's part of your membership. Ahima also has as part of your membership, you get units also, these complimentary uh, courses and webinars you can take that they offer. Um, and then AAPC has their quarterly ones. So when you add that all up, you know, depending on how many CEUs you need per year, you a lot of times are not left with that many that you need to attain. So after the 12 you get from the AAPC, if you're a CPC, you just need what, six more because you need 18 per year. So it really isn't that much extra. And so if you have to pay, you know, you put that aside and you have two years to complete all of them. So they really give you plenty of time to save up your money if you need to pay a a couple here and there um, or buy a membership to something, then that's helpful. Uh, But just know that you have to keep those up every year. (laughs) And next, move along now to the CPC. Now this exam is 150 questions. Um, it's divided into 12 sections, and it's basically, if you have your, if you look at the CPC manual, CPT manual, it's laid out in different sections, and it's covered pretty much in that order, but if you go to the AAPC's website and you click on certifications, and you look for the CPC certification, you'll be able to see the breakdown of the exam and all the sections and how they break up those sections, so you know how many questions you could potentially be tested on. You need an overall score of 70% to pass that exam. And more than 80% of people who take it do pass on their first attempt. I'm very grateful that all my students in 2020 passed, most of them in the 90 percentile. So I was really grateful for that. And uh, you do, of course, as mentioned, need 36 hours every two years. That's 36 CEU. So every CEU is one hour of content. And you can get those by attending conferences like HealthCon, which is a great experience, online courses, and other approved events. And usually an event will be, they'll give you a listing that this is approved for one or two CEUs. And next, I want to talk about some of the other credentials that are available to other types of coding. There are some types of jobs that require you to know certain types of coding. So let's say, for instance, you're going to be working for an ambulatory surgery center. They have a credential for a certified outpatient coder. Now, this used to be the CPCH because it's specifically for coders who work in a hospital setting, but on the outpatient side of things. They work for hospital groups, ambulatory surgery centers, and other billing and coding departments that bill for that type of coding. Now, on the AAPC side, they do offer a uh, credential called the CIC, which is a Certified Inpatient Coder. And this basically is very similar to the CCS, but again, it's, it's laid out a little differently. Many go for the CCS most often because a lot of employers want the CCS if they're going to have inpatient coders. A lot of employers are starting to recognize more the CIC, so you'll see the option. So if you go for the CIC and you prefer the AAPC route, you, you already prefer to be on with that organization, feel free to go for that credential. It does validate your knowledge um, in abstracting information from the record with ICD-10-CM, that's your diagnosis uh, coding book, and the ICD-10-PCS coding for inpatient procedures. 
It also certifies that you are specialized and have knowledge, um, understanding the MSDRGs and the inpatient prospective payment systems. Those are things that are unique to facility coders. Now, a really emerging popular credential, which I usually shout out is one of my favorites, is the CRC, the Certified Risk Adjustment Coder. It has been around for quite some time, risk adjustment, HCC models. They've been around for a while. But this credential is popping up as being more acceptable and more employers, if they're going to hire you to uh, become a risk adjustment coder for their facility, they're going to require you now to have your CRC. It's becoming more popular. So when you go on this exam, you only need your ICD-10-CM codebook, which is great, right? That's the only one that you need. And uh, it tests you on those risk adjustment models. So the HCC models, the CDPS, and the HHS risk adjustment. So whether it's a Medicare model, maybe Medicaid, or your commercial payers. And there's a lot to this credential. I can't cover, of course, on uh, this podcast today. Um, But you are going to be tested on those things. Um, How you abstract from the record uh, when it comes to diagnosis coding how you understand those regulatory guidelines, those HIPAA guidelines, um, how you understand the the different audits that they do and risk adjustment. The bulk of the exam though is on guidelines and and pulling codes from a documentation uh, standpoint. So just know that it's it's not an easy exam. It does flow a little faster than the CPC and other exams. Um, But if you know um, ICD-10 coding really well and you're comfortable with abstracting, you should do just fine on that exam. And and our organization at Ozark, excuse me, Ozark Coding Alliance, LLC, we do offer a program with our instructor, Angel Kendall, who's a great instructor. And we do have a self-paced program for that that comes with the mock exam for the CRC. So it's a great way to go if you want to kind of advance your career in that way. So maybe you're not sure, okay, where should I start, right? So if you are just dead set, I want to go with the HEMA. I want to go with AHIMA. They do have a self-paced path for the CCA credential, which is the Certified Coding Associate, which is basically, it's a forever apprentice credential because you do have to eventually get your CCS once you get experience. So it's kind of a way to break into a HEMA, go through that organization and, and get that. But again, I recommend going on their website, get to know the credentials on your own, read through them, read through through those, you know, requirements. I can't cover all the requirements today. We just don't have enough time on this podcast to go over all of the ins and outs of these credentials. But I want to let you know that there are so many out there. And so it really just depends what you're feeling. What do you want? uh, Where do you want to go in life? Where do you live too? A lot of times it has to do with where you live, what hospitals are nearby, what they're requiring. That's a big thing that you have to know right away. Because if you live in an area and there's only certain credentials that they're wanting, that would make more sense, right? Unless you plan on moving to another area to relocate to get the job you want, you got to go with what you have right in front of you. Now, there is another um, area that some coders go into, and it's a two-year program, the RHIT credential, the Registered Health Information Technologist. And then they have the associate as well, which is a four years. So you're going to want to find an accredited school to teach you that um, credential, to get credentialed in that. Um, A lot of those coders I'm finding that come to me, they haven't been able to find a job with that credential unless they've already been in the field and they're kind of maybe walking into it because they've been doing that kind of work already. Um, But 
going to school right out of school and looking for a job right away can be difficult because a lot of them want experience or usually you're already in the system and a lot of hospitals hire from within. So it does take diligence and patience, a lot of hard work. It doesn't matter where you work, what industry you work in, it is not easy finding a job with so much competition out there. I don't care if you're working in computers, you're working in for in coding, you're working in accounting or um, you know, even a hairstylist, you know, sometimes it's hard. You get out of school and it's, it's a heavy competition to get out there because so many are wanting the same thing. They want to be in that same industry and they're all doing that same heavy workload to try to find that job. But you want to do this career, right? Because you want to make an impact in healthcare. You've discovered that this is what you want to do and you're fascinated with this career and you want to be a medical coder. And I applaud you for it. I love this industry. I love it so much. It's what I've done since I was 18 and it's what I'm going to do until I retire. I I have no intention of doing anything else in my life. Uh, But I want to make sure that my um, future students and those who are my students and going into the workforce are prepared for what's ahead of them. It's just the beginning. Getting certified is just the beginning. Uh, Not that it's required to be certified by any means. Some of you have extensive knowledge and decide not to get certified. And you can find a job, maybe through networking or, or, you know, a word of mouth. It happens. But if you want to add value uh, to your resume and add value to your career and just do it for you, do it to give yourself confidence that you took this exam and you are certified uh, nationally to to do this uh, job, it makes you feel good. And that's what a lot of people do it for, right? So according to recent surveys, uh, the medical coding specialists make about $26 per hour on average or $55,000 or so forth annually, according to the annual survey that AAPC did. Now, you always want to go out and look at your area. Usually you can go in your region and see what an APC has usually a little map they put out there uh, that shows you typically in your region what you could potentially make. And this salary survey is done because it's good for employers to see it because if they see it, then they can see if they're really paying their coders uh, appropriately for the national standard. And there is a high demand for coders. I see job openings all the time and it's, it's kind of crazy to me to see how many job openings there are and not enough coders getting hired. And there is a disconnect. There's a lot of people hiring overseas to save money. I'm not going to even go there, guys, today. I'm not that's I'm not getting on that soapbox today. But there is a huge need for them. One thing I tell people trying to network with me and, and find a job is sometimes you're not going to always get that perfect cookie cutter. I'm a medical coder by title job. And you're going to have to go out and maybe work as a receptionist. That's how I started. You're going to have to go out work in billing, maybe work in medical records. Those are the places that medical coders typically start unless they find that great opportunity where that company is willing to train coders as a new coder without experience other than just a credential. Um, Now, I like to go into interview and tell people, you know, go in that interview and really uh, put in forth that positive attitude, that bubbly personality, if you can. Let them know that you went to school, you learned how to be a medical coder, and if you took some kind of apprenticeship or um, an internship, the APC offers one, and that helps you get that experience before you get hired 
you can start coding, you know, internship. They give you 600 charts through their Practicode program that help to give you real life experience and, and learning that coding and put that on your resume as experience. A lot of employers uh, do look at that. Some may not really use it, but there are times where uh, they can um, you look at that and use it as experience. Your time you spent in that program, you learned how to code, you know what you're doing, and now you just gotta apply in the real setting, right? And then the Practicode program, they do teach you or they give you examples where you have to research payer policies. You have to research which modifier to use. You have to research those um, policies by these insurance companies. And so you do have to learn a lot of that and do a lot of that. Now, many ask, how long does it take to become a medical coder? Well, to become a CPC, it's significantly less time than, of course, a degree program. So it really depends, again, on which degree or which credential you want to go into and what you want to attain, right? Uh, and so that is something that a lot of people, you know, encourages them, right? Now, it can be expensive to go through any program. I personally didn't spend a lot of money um, when I first started. I took a basic program, cost me 1200 bucks. <laughs> I, of course, paid for my books, which probably with 300 By the time I was sitting down with my exam and everything, I paid a little less than $2,000. I'm hearing some coders going to these local colleges, and that's fine. You could end up spending $20,000 or so because of all of the extra prerequisites that you take. Um, but if you don't want to go that route, you can just take a course, you know, take a basic anatomy, get, or even get a book and just self-study. It's up to you. Whatever kind of learner you are. If you're a self-starter and you can learn on your own without supervision, great, good for you. Um, but if you need extra help and you need someone, you need to be in that classroom setting, you need someone pushing you, then you know what route to take. But you can save money by going through a private education, um, you know, organization. We offer some programs that have been very successful. And then you can also go through the APC directly, uh, their online program that's self-paced and you don't have to have a person. You just do it on your own, which is great. And so... Thinking about that, though, when you go, you're done, you're certified, is it easy? No, it's not an easy career. It's not an easy job. A lot of people actually give up in the middle of their course because they think it's too hard. A lot of them, too, end up being those that took and did that self-study course and decided to do it on their own without a tutor, without help to explain the concepts to them. So that's what really makes it harder as far as, you know, the concept of learning the coding. Once you become certified, that really is the, be the beginning because you have to learn how to apply that. On the job, you don't have multiple choice. A lot of people get frustrated when they go and they're like, oh, I don't know how to read an op report now. I have my multiple choice in front of me. It was so much easier, but it's not multiple choice. So in our course, of course, we, we show you how to break up an op report and we do examples. The AAPC, um, if you go to their self-paced course, they do have their practical application workbook, which is great. It, it shows you all of those cases and how to dissect them, which is amazing. I love that. Um, but it really depends on your drive, your determination to get this. It took me years because I gave up for a short time, which I learned my lesson. And that's why I really encourage others not to give up. It's not going to be easy. Nothing worth attaining is easy. So don't go into it thinking that if I can't, if it's not easy, it's not worth it. It's the opposite. If it's not easy, that means it is worth it. So that's the way I look at it, right? Now, um, there are things that you can start doing now to improve your skills as a student and then again as a coder. 
look at yourself and decide if you're a detail-oriented person. Do you look at details and or you just rush through things? Because coders need to be detail-oriented. So if you're not that kind of person, that's a skill you can work on in your daily life. Do you have organizational skills? That is another thing, right? And then, of course, in the medical field, we have to be ethical. We have to follow those HIPAA privacy and security guidelines. We have to be honest people when we're dealing with this these patient um, information, this data. It's very important. And then while we work independently, we have to be able to get along with coworkers, with physicians, with other members of the healthcare team. So we need to be a little bit social. We can't always be reserved and, and keep our head down. We have to communicate. And uh, do we like critical thinking? Do we have critical thinking skills? Are we analytical? That's what that means. Do we like to connect dots? I am that way. I love it. I love to see those op reports and I have to connect piece to piece to piece and where the physician is, where he's going, what his final uh, determination is. I like to put it all together. That's me. I love it. And then you do have to have some degree of computer proficiency. Um, you will have to use EHR computer softwares. Um, electronic health record is EHR or EMR, electronic medical record, however it's, it's said. Uh, most employers will train you um, on certain softwares, but you may get a job when you may move around and then you realize, okay, I have to learn a new software. But for the most part, you know, it's it's pretty much the same. You just, you just, you learn, you roll with it, right? So uh, thinking about that, and those are things that, you know, you want to constantly be thinking about, you know, how can I improve in those skills and become better at what I do? So let's break it down one more time, okay? Let's close it out and let's just kind of go through our list here. So a certified professional coder, CPC, these are individuals who work in a physician's office they perform professional fee coding for the physician services. And the books they're going to be using, those code sets, are CPT, certified, uh, those, um, those certified, per, excuse me, almost forgot what CPT stands for, current procedural terminology, excuse me. And then the, uh, you're going to use those ICD-10 CM codebook. That is the International Classification of Diseases. That's your diagnosis codebook. And the Healthcare Common Procedural Coding System, the HICS-PICS manual for those other services. And those who work as a COC, Certified Outpatient Coder, will use the same books. Uh, they will also, of course, be different setting. They'll be working for a hospital or an ambulatory surgery center in an outpatient department. And then the inpatient coder, CIC, they're going to be working in, of course, hospital facility, doing facility coding, and they're going to use ICD-10-CM, the same book that other coders use, but instead of CPT, they're going to be using the ICD-10-PCS coding book, and they will also have to learn and use the Medicare Severity Diagnostic Related Groups, DRGs. They have to understand those MSDRGs, and then the same for CCS coders for AHIMA, the uh, Certified Coding Specialist, and then the Certified Risk Adjustment Coder. These usually work for health plans, uh, maybe some vendors, and even hospitals now are using risk adjustment coders. They, of course, just focus on the ICD-10-CM guidelines and the risk adjustment guidelines that are given to them. They use the ICD-10-CM coding book, and they use the hierarchical condition categories, or HCC, files uh, from the payers, specifically Medicare and other payers that have those guidelines. So those, it's just kind of an overview of the credentials that you can attain. 
And I am going to put some links, um, some references where I gathered all of this research for you guys on the uh, podcast notes. Uh, so you can look at those links and, and really feel confident in your research of which credential is right for you. I want to give you all of the tools, all of the information that you can make an educated decision on what you want to do, what realm you want to get into. Um, I, of course, am a huge proponent of the AAPC as an AAPC certified professional coder. I have six of their credentials. I also am one of their uh, educators, uh, their approved educators. So I do teach their program. With a mix of, of things I've learned over the years. I like to mix my program, um, but I definitely use their um, education as the main focus um, in my program. And so they have, of course, some of the, the best education out there. They're constantly trying to improve and make sure that they have these subject matter experts giving them those uh, updates. And they're in the field. They're working. And the APC uses these subject matter experts to write their blogs, to write their magazine articles, uh, to bring them in to actually provide the exam questions. Uh, that's where a lot of the exam questions come from is experts in the field that are doing this every day who have the experience in these fields. So the questions on your exam come from subject matter experts or SMEs uh, the APC uh, brings in to provide that information. APC also has job coding boards. They have networking opportunities. They have those forums. You can ask questions. Um, there are some, there's tips for job seekers. There's Project Extern. Um, at Ozark Coding Alliance, we have previously been a Project Extern provider where we um, let you come in and, and kind of shadow and learn from our billing company. And uh, we occasionally open up spots for that. So that is something that we have offered in the past. Uh, but I want to make sure that we all get what we can uh, from this this uh, program today. Uh, reach out, uh, you know, by email or follow us on LinkedIn. Get to know um, other people in the field that have similar goals. And like I said in our last uh, episode, you know, if you feel like giving up, find someone that you can talk to that has the same struggles maybe someone who's had success recently that you've seen, uh, maybe on LinkedIn, and, and that they've found a job. Ask them what struggles they, they went through to get to that point, and uh, what, at the light of the end of the tunnel, what helped them to get to where they are. Um, it's so great to network with people who have had success. Always network with people that have a similar interest in you and a similar industry. When I'm looking for people to network with, I look for people who have similar credentials to me, who also um, have, uh, you know, certain goals or uh, industry-related, you know, things that they're they're looking for. Uh, I I connect with recruiters uh, for certain hospitals because I know those recruiters are going to start posting jobs uh, for certain positions that I want my network to see, and that's what I do as a volunteer. I go in, I connect with recruiters, I see the jobs they're posting, and I share them with everyone. So I love to share, I love to help others. And networking is such a powerful tool. If you don't know the importance of networking, you haven't successfully networked because you experience so much joy and so much help from these these individuals in your network. I have, have been very successful, and uh, I'm a, a huge proponent of, of positivity, not being negative. 
Get out there and don't think the worst. Don't think it's not going to happen. Make it happen. Uh, Put yourself out there and don't stop connecting with people. Connect with as many people as you can. You never know. You're just one connection away from that perfect coding job or that entry-level job into the industry that's going to get you where you want to go. So I, I appreciate your time today and, and, and indulging me with uh, answering some of these questions that so many of those in my network have had. I really enjoy helping uh, future coders and current coders uh, with their questions when it comes to this industry. As you know, uh, I am always trying to inspire, to educate, and so I do hope you found some educational information from this program today, this podcast And as always, knowledge is power. The knowledge you learn today makes you powerful tomorrow. Don't give up on coding. Keep learning and keep growing. This has been Jennifer McNamara with Life as a Coder podcast. Thank you to our sponsors, Ozark Coding Alliance, LLC. And we want to also thank our podcast director and uh, producer, Gabriel Fast with Wannabe Critic Productions. He's always there to make me sound good and, and put me out there. So I thank you for that, Gabe. I hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful week and enjoy the beautiful weather. I know it's, it's so beautiful and we're going to get some rain at some point, but try to enjoy it. Try to enjoy that weather. Get out, go for a walk, enjoy nature, enjoy this beautiful, beautiful earth that we have uh, and try to just think positive about your future. I thank you for joining me. Talk to you next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Life as a Coder podcast series brought to you by your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance, LLC. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort. It helps us share the show with other coders, students, and professionals just like you. Come back every Monday for a new episode. We'll catch you then. Project Resume can make your medical coding dreams come true. From resumes to interview skills to navigating a successful career, Project Resume has the advice you need from coders you can trust. See all that we have to offer at projectresume.net. Be sure to reference this podcast when you place your order.